0: Are you recording? I don't know. I am. I am now. <clears throat> All right. I mean, how else are we going to get our, our, our the, the thing at the beginning where we waste time? Yeah, how are we going to get our uh, sweet pre-reel? And uh, that turns into the cold open, usually. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, that's true. That's, oh, I can't look at this waveform because there are big patches of silence and I don't like it. But that big patch of silence is where I fit. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be so easy to sync up. I hope so. What one thing that's gonna be hard is we can't physically see each other speaking. Like, mm-hmm. so we're not. How do you, how do we interject? <laughs> uh, I suppose we interject by talking over the other person. All right. That's great. That's good radio. That's good it's podcast. It's pretty fantastic podcast. Um, or we could just like wait until we think the other one's done talking. (laughs) And then it just slowly becomes the John hour. Welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry, and I am a robot. And together, we're Henry and a robot. See, I—it was—I'm a robot because we're talking on Skype. It's true. That was just a prank for you, the listener. John's oh, here. We are—we are logged into the cyber. We're coming to you live from the internet. A place I've never been. And a place I've lived for far too long. You know, I've actually been on the internet for, uh, most of my life. Yeah, same here. I wonder how it feels to have not been an internet baby. I I couldn't tell you. Because you are one? Yeah, I'm I'm an internet baby. I mean, when did you internet? I started to internet with, like, the Lego website. Okay, and yeah. They had this cool game that you could click on bricks and it would either get rid of them or it would add them. I don't remember. I mean, it's, it's Lego, so I'm assuming there was some adding or subtracting of bricks somewhere. Yeah, but uh, I used to play th- uh, that game on my dad's work computer at his, uh, at his middle school where he was a principal. We got, a, we got a internet-equipped computer pretty much only because my parents thought that the internet was the future, which, uh, mark one for my parents. All right, I'm marking one for your parents. Uh, so far, if everyone's keeping track, they have three. They, they, all right. So, uh, yeah, they thought the internet was going to be the future, and basically the only thing that I did for a while was go onto the Nickelodeon website. Nice and download a bunch of cat dog wallpapers. Yeah, that that was back when it was like you had to go to a site to find a section that said wallpapers. Yeah, there was there was a wallpaper section and then I get really into Pokemon and that's when it all started to unravel. They had that for for the Pokemon movie, the Pokemon 2000 movie. They had like this cool game you could download and and you could f- try to find Pokemon. Did you find any? I I yes. <laughs> I, uh, I probably went there too. I just, I remember, yeah, once I started liking Pokemon, there was, there was really no going back. There was so much of that stuff on the internet. Yeah, the internet was great for like weird things to waste your time doing and not build any skills or improve yourself with. And it's good to see nothing has changed and the internet is still really good at that. Yeah, pretty much, although now a lot of people who don't do that. Put up things to improve yourself, like do-it-yourself videos on the YouTube. Yeah, but if you're like me, you just watch a bunch of those videos and you never actually do any of it. Yeah, but it makes, it makes you feel like you've done something when you complete the video. You know, that's something I've actually been wanting to talk about today. Oh, really? Uh, not necessarily on a podcast. I talked about it a little bit earlier with a close confidant. Ooh, mysterious confidant but uh, his name is mysterious confidant actually oh well, well I, what did he have to say how's he doing uh he's all right he could be better you know okay uh yeah anyway uh the the thing i want to talk about is i've been going through kind of a a transformation lately and that sounds grandiose but it's kind of the only word i can think of to describe it all right And I've been trying to become more of a person who does things and less of a person who says things. So instead of just saying what you'll do, you're now doing what you would say? Yeah, exactly. Because I I think that for a, a rather long time, and all of my friends and close relations can cop to this, I just would kind of have various interests and obsess over them for a little while and talk about them a lot, but never necessarily do most of the things that I said. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced that as far as me doing it, you know. And I think everyone does it because there's a a certain high you get from talking about something without uh, doing it. And Close Confidant was talking about this uh, in reference to the film, the film, the TV show The Strain. Oh, that virus-themed show with uh, Gilmore Del Toro? Yeah, Gilmore Del Toro. G uh, Guillermo uh, Stars Hollow Del Toro. Guillermo, G Girilamo. GorillaMo. Gorillamo uh, Del Toro. Uh but anyway, um but apparently a character in that show says it pretty perfectly when a character who I don't know because I've never seen the show says that the thing about talking about what you're going to do without actually doing it is that you get the endorphin rush of, you know. Basically, as if you had done it without the emptiness of having completed it. Yeah, that's why they say to never talk about your book, you know, writing your book because, yeah, and, and never name your band before you start one. Exactly. You get all of the, uh, like the pats on the backs, but you don't, you don't actually do any of the stuff. And it's, it's a scary situation because you, you want to talk to people about the things you're excited about, but it's, Something that if you keep talking about it, the likelihood of you doing it is going to decrease. I think it might be a matter of, like, willpower. Because, like, there was a time back about a year ago when I kept talking to people about starting a podcast. I mean, that seems to have gone pretty well. I mean, yeah. Because I started a podcast. And I mean, I... I don't know at what point it stops being a, I will talk about it and then make it happen, and it starts being a, I will talk about it and then never do it. It, You gotta, like, set up, like, a system within yourself that's like, okay, if I'm gonna talk about it today, that means I have to work on it today, too. Or, like, I can't bring it up again until I've gotten up to, like, this amount of work done on it. And that's uh, something that I struggle with for a struggled with for a while and still struggle with but i'm trying to get to a point where if i tell someone i'm going to do something or tell someone that i have an interest in something i feel like i'm letting that person down if i never express that yeah so i need to express that more often and it could be a thing like if you talk to somebody about a project that you're going to do, kind of think of it as you might be letting them down if by the next time you see them or the next time you talk about it, you haven't done anything with it. And I guess that's why talking about it can be a good thing, because you can bake a certain amount of accountability into it. Yeah, you kind of almost want to make it into, you know, turn this endorphin rush thing into a good thing so that you're not just getting these empty, empty emotions from it. Yeah, because the thing about emotions is you you always want your emotions to be like your calories. You never want them to be empty. You always want them to mean something. Yeah, put down the soda of just talking and eat the potato of actually doing something. Uh, The potato of action from the makers of Time Loaf, the bread that slows down time. Yeah, look, Nabisco has just really been hitting it out of the park with their food-related products lately. They really have. You know, they got Time Loaf, you got Potato of Action. It's just like, they're going to have a fully balanced meal of products. At uh, at some point, I think they made a really smart decision by ceasing to go after the, uh, the food and safety part of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and just made all of their food based on self-actualization. Yeah, because if you can eat something and then become self-actualized, then you won't need the other parts of the pyramid exactly that's how a pyramid works yeah it it then becomes like an umbrella i mean uh look at the american pyramid they didn't build that part before the little part at the top yeah instead they put a weird floating eyeball there yeah they didn't need that because that eyeball was self-actualization oh that because it can see yeah right that's that's how that works hey john what's up what are we doing uh, what are we doing? Exactly. Not what are we saying we're doing. Exactly. We're doing a segment, not Co- saying we're going to do a segment. Yeah, because we're doing it, and what we're doing is is d- doing. One thing that might help you with your doing and not saying, and it might seem a little elementary or kind of like, I don't know, simplistic but it's like just break down what you want to do into steps and then write it physically write it down somewhere so you can cross it off that always helps me i uh i've actually been getting into writing lists and they really help yeah lists are lists are great like having a bulleted list where you're like this is a thing that i have to accomplish it has a beginning and an end and when it's done it's crossed off really helpful yeah i i love writing up lists or just making like uh well, misusing spreadsheets to, to kind of organize things. Like right now I'm applying to all these jobs and each time I apply to a job, that's another entry in my job spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, we've talked before on the podcast about the, uh, the game loop of, uh, certain things like phone applications or video games or board games where there's this completion loop where you put in effort, you get a small reward in, in the form of something being complete and done and you move forward and maybe you reap a tiny reward from that and you keep that ball rolling forever and then people use it to take your money but i think that you can use the same principles in your life yeah turn the weird like gambling aspect of mmos where it's like you complete something and you might get an item drop it might not be the item drop you want but that kind of spurs you forward to Try to you know defeat the same boss and try to get the different item bar, uh, drop. Yeah, and sometimes you get that item drop. It's like, oh, you need to purchase Rise of the Hutt Cartel to use this. You're still a free to play player. What sounds like somebody's uh, been playing some uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic. I most certainly have. How's that been going? It's pretty good, actually. You know, you know what they called that when it released, right? Uh, Star Wars the mold re chub lax content uh they called it tortanic oh why because uh they kept saying it was big too big too sorry too big to fail and then uh it kind of went free to play within a year yeah uh yep i could see that but it's a it's a definitely a strange experience to be playing this game now yeah because uh, as I was thinking about while I was playing it nine minutes ago, uh, that was the thing that I had to complete. I was in an unsafe zone and uh, couldn't log out. Oh, so that's what you... that's what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, that's what—that's how I was spending my time. Oh my gosh. But, yeah, th- something that I'm noticing is this game is... It's not really at the end of its life cycle, though it might be getting there. I feel like it's about 70% done. Yeah. But uh, new content has been released readily, and one of the things that's interesting about uh, video games is that they are constantly being, you know, improved to make the experience better, is the idea. For things that are narratively driven, for the most part, it's just changes to, like, the, the structure of the code, like, fixing bugs, making things less breaky, but generally, like, keeping a cohesive, creative vision moving forward. yeah. But like, is anyone even playing this game anymore? Oh, tons. Really? Yeah, tons of people are on there, cause it's, it's free to play, and the fascinating thing about being on there right now is because the amount of content that it has, that has been like, shaped and shifted and molded down into something that is, uh, pretty perfectly digestible, is huge. Re- okay. That- that- that's surprising, cause, you know, you probably go free to play because you don't have enough people buying the game. I mean, they, they went free to play and all their, uh, all the stuff that you can spend money on is a little gross. It's all very much like, oh, go on the market. You can spend money to buy these things to make you better. And you can engage in like player to player combat and things in which that would be a little skeevy. Yeah, but for the most part, the the interesting thing about the game is all of the story content is entirely soloable. Now, when it was first released, I I remember watching a little bit of gameplay. Mm -hmm. The story, the way the story content worked, was like, okay, you could party up with people, but then like a cutscene would happen, and then three people, like there would be a choice to make, and three people would all like cast their vote or something. And then it would like determine which option to go with. Is that no longer how they do it? Uh, it doesn't really need to be that way, because there is no need to ever talk to another human being in this video game ever again. Then why is it an MMO? Uh, <laughs> that's one of the fascinating things about playing it, is it feels, at this point, like something that's living inside an MMO's body, like a, like a wasp that lives inside a cicada. That's that's gross, but I get the I get your point because it has these these massive MMO vistas and all these trappings, but what it is right now if you're not someone who's doing like guilds and player versus player stuff and all this typical MMO stuff is you have a really interesting single player RPG with eight different stories and kind of interesting combat. Well, that's cool. But they seem to have paired out, because I think that when they created this game, they had two sets of people. There were, like, people who very clearly wanted to play, like, World of Warcraft, play with a bunch of people and do their thing. And then they had people who just wanted to have a fun little dumb nerdy Star Wars story. Yeah. And I think they struggled with that and that's why people were not playing it because they could not figure out how to make that work. But now they've figured it out. They figured it out by ostensibly making the game like, here's the one, here's the game for the people who wanted the first thing. Here's the game for the people who want the second thing. They are not the same thing anymore. Wow. So it's, it's the, the world's first single player, massively multiplayer online game. Yep. I, I think that might be a, pretty good descriptor also all the voice acting is really good and the story is good yeah i mean uh, star wars the old republic came out in a time where a bunch of people were launching really like million multi-million dollar budget mmo games and uh it, it was kind of set the uh the precedence of of the rest of the games that were coming out they've all sort of failed though which is which is the weird thing but it was a trend like two years ago Four years yeah. ago. And I think that that trend died off, and rightfully so, and I think that everything that is left over from that is trying to find a place to, um, like, justify its existence, and I think that the Old Republic ended up in a pretty neat place with that. That's cool. And I mean, I like it. I would recommend it. It's a lot of content for free. However, uh, you move slow, and you don't get a transport if you're a free-to-play player, and... They're big open expanses between places with not a lot to do. I mean, one of one of the things that the game is trying to get you to do is to drop some money on it, so you know that that makes perfect sense, really. And I mean, if I get further in this game and it's something that I really want, I will drop like five dollars on it. Yeah, because five dollars, like, hey, you get uh, you get a transport and some cool stuff, and that's it like the second that you uh spend any amount of money in the currency store you get like a full expansion i think all right as an incentive to uh incentive what what is that word incentive as an incentive to actually drop money on the game yeah like as as an incentive to like just drop any amount of money just to get started and i mean the the cool thing is like you can earn the uh The premium currency just by playing the game. If you want to, I really like that system. I I I love games that are like, yeah, there's premium currency, and like you could buy it, but if you can just if you just earn it by playing the game, then that's great because then you know I don't have to I don't have to spend money. And the fascinating thing about how they do that is it's an entirely new system that they created so that you can earn what they're called cartel coins, which is weird. I don't know. I think that in the in the current uh, political environment, the word cartel isn't really sexy. <laughs> well, this game did come out a while ago, though, so that's that's could, you fair. Could, how, how, what about Cabal? Do you, would you be better with Cabal? I would be better with Cabal coins. All right, but, but the system in which you earn the premium currency as a free to pay player and as anyone is there's this thing called a legacy system. All right. And you start and you, when you create a character, you can only have a first name. What, why? You can only have a first name because when you are level 10, you choose, you choose what your last name is. What? And after you have a first name and a last name, subsequent characters that you make can be members of your family. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. And members of your family, when you, because your character has levels, but your legacy has levels on top of your character, and your legacy stays leveled up between characters, and all the perks that you earn on it are distributed through all of your characters on the same legacy. So there's no, there's no penalty or detriment to just rolling another character. Well, I mean, there's, there's a detriment to it in that it'll still be level one, but your legacy perks, like, let's say, you have a legacy last name and it's like uh Hen- Henry Meister. Henry Meister? Yeah, you have a the Henry Meister legacy and Okay. The way you level up your legacy is by doing anything, you just get a little tiny bit of it, but it's mostly through like achievements which are doing story missions and fighting monsters and you know, typical achievement stuff. And by the way, there are hundreds of them. Of course, because what's a game without millions of achievements? And some of them are, are pretty neat, and, you know, you can't get all of them on the same character, which is great, but let's say you get enough legacy points where you're like, I have the legacy points to buy a perk that makes my walk speed 10% faster. Okay. Every character that you create with the last name Henry Meister will walk 10% faster. Right. I mean, that, that sounds like a good way to kind of encourage or just at least not discourage people rolling out different characters yeah it's it's really cool i i really like it because you you create new characters but you have these these overarching benefits to them so there's not this huge i don't know you don't feel like you're starting quite from zero when you start over with a new character yeah you've got more than zero uh, yeah whoa <laughs> Is, should that be a thing probably not you're right but also, uh, yeah, one of the cool things is like, yeah, you can, you can buy anything. You can buy it all. Give it to your babies. Give it to your babies. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that's great. That's good. So you've been doing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I mean, a lot, not really a lot, just a few Every, hours, a few, a, a few hours of your, all of your free time yeah my, pretty much all of my free time um i've given up on improv also uh most meals yeah yeah i, I i've seen it before you know it, it's the wow weariness you know it just wears away at you and then you're a husk yeah and, and then uh you, all you gotta do is just keep buying buying those account boosts just gotta get those cartel coins gotta get those uh cabal canuckles <laughs> i think cabal knuckles is a much better name for the thing yeah What's a knuckle? Eh, Well, it's it's like a coin-shaped object. Uh, well, it's shaped like a. It has a knuckle on it. Yeah. It's actually a portmanteau of coin and knuckle. <laughs> yep. It's like a like a what are they called? Brass brass knuckles, but with coins instead of brass. Everyone knows the uh the the well known the well known portmanteau for brass knuckles is bruckles. Yeah, it's great. You don't want to be caught going into the airport with a pair of bruckles. Oh no no they they will they will they will confiscate them and your house and then they'll uh, shoot you <laughs> probably firing squad style but just with one guy yeah one guy and uh, he they actually melt down your bruckles into a bullet mm-hmm. and and that's what they use to kill you I was actually thinking if you had a one man firing squad and you know the thing with firing squads is one person has a blank so you don't know if you killed the person or not yeah yeah exactly. What if a one-person firing squad had a had a magazine of bullets, and one of the bullets was a blank? So, like, you don't know if you killed him or not. <laughs> My instructions were to stand here, pull the trigger, and then walk away, no matter what happens. But, like, you have to fire all eight, but one of them is a blank. <laughs> oh, you have to fire all eight. Okay, never mind yeah <laughs> one of them's a blank he might have needed eight bullets to kill him but i only shot seven. Oh no yeah uh also that would be pretty funny if you mistakenly gave someone or like a firing squad all blanks and the guy's just like i'm alive but it's like uh you know when the, the your item won't ring up in the, ca- the 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 checkout line and the joke is up oh, i guess it's free he goes, oh, well, I guess that means I'm innocent. And then just like at the checker line, they just keep doing it again. Yep, they just shoot you. Yep. Over and over. Man, that would be a fate worse than death. Well, it would. <laughs> death's in there. <laughs> that would be a fate that equates to death. That would be a fate that is slightly worse than the other kind of death that you were going to have. Yep, you know, a drawn-out death that still comes just as fast. When it comes, I think that's a Andrew Bird song. I think Andrew Bird's a singer. That's true. He is a singer. He, I've been listening to a lot of his stuff lately. He good. I, I don't know who that is. He uh, is a singer. All right. I'm glad we covered the bases. And uh... hey, wait, we need to talk about something real quick. What is it? So uh, I heard you were talking to uh... like a, a big podcast insider guy. Oh yeah. Did we, did we get any funding? Oh, uh, well, that, the thing about that is, uh, we, we went to, to sign the paperwork. Yeah. And, uh, he died. Oh, he, he died. (laughs) Yeah, he died. Just right there. Well, not right there. He died while we were signing the paperwork. Wow. Uh, did he, did he complete signing it? Do we have, do we have funding or did he die like mid signature? He was actually picking up the pen when he died. So even the, the mad scrawlings of a man. Uh dying from liver failure couldn't really count as a signature. Uh what was the cause of death, John? Liver failure. Oh liver failure. Okay. Also uh, uh diabetes. Wow, the the one two combo, as they call it, in the medical he, profession. He uh yeah, his his e cig smoke was too sweet. Oh, and that just what did that have to do with the liver? No, that's the diabetes. Okay. The liver was the whole bottle of scotch he drank during the interview. Gotcha, yeah, I, I did pick up on that. So, you're saying we'll never see Thragetarius again? I mean, I guess you could see him if you go down to the morgue for the next two days. Well, what I mean is, like, he won't be on the show, the, we won't, there'll be no way for us to get funding from that person. From that person? No, because he died. Alright. We weren't by any chance in his will. Uh we may have been in his will. I haven't received any kind of summons yet. I think he said something about probate, but he might have been talking about probation. Okay. Well, I'm I'm sad to hear that. I mean, we just met him and already just so soon in his life of being our friend of the show, he he, he, he died. I feel like we had a a whole relationship, so I'm not that sad. Yeah, well, I, I never got to talk to him, so it, it's like, you know, it, it's like, you know, the what, what, what could have been, you know? Yeah, think of what could have been. Uh, he was a pretty great guy, pretty solid. Uh, threw me through a loop there. Uh, time of my life, he will be missed. Yeah, I feel like we should play some type of copyrighted song here, but in a way that no one can understand it, so that we don't get sued. You know, like something like Green Day's "A uh, Time of Your Life" or something. Oh, uh, you know how you get around copyright? You use the MIDI version. Yeah, dead. Oh wow! You know, do you, you, what's what do they say? Uh, so it goes. Yeah, dust to dust, ash to ash. Only Billy re. Pilgrim has been unstuck by time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Thragitarius was unstuck by time, and his pacemaker. Also, he died of a heart attack. Wow! Wow! The the, the big three triple whammy is what they call that one. The hat trick, I believe they call it in Europe. Ah, yeah, those Europeans with their different, uh, sayings for how people died. They mo- it's mostly centered around hats, like how they made that new version of Tetris with hats. Oh, yeah, Hattress. Yeah, Hattress. Yeah, that's not a hat made of mattresses. Oh, man, that'd be- that'd be pretty comfortable. Would it, though? Would it be comfortable? What about a mattress made of hats? Well, I, what kind of hats are we talking? Because, like, sombreros, you wouldn't have any support, you know? Because they're, they're more wide than they are tall. What's the most comfortable hat? Probably the beanie. Ah, uh, the beanie is a good choice. What about those really, like, thick, wool, like, uh, deerstalker caps? Oh, <laughs> you like the Sherlock Holmes hat? Yeah, that's not what I meant, but, you know, the kind with the flappies. Oh, you mean, like, the Russian mink hat? Yeah, a, an ushenka. Ushenka, that's what it's called. Imagine a bed of ushenkas. You know, that actually sounds really comfortable. I take back what I said earlier. Uh, you know, they actually changed the cover art of, uh, of American Beauty in Russia. <laughs> so she's laying on a, a bed of ushenkas. You know, your your stifled laughter there makes that a true fact. It's, <laughs> pretty true. <laughs> All right. Um, what else do we have on the docket for this episode? I think we might have, uh, a break. Oh, that'll be good. A nice, a nice relaxing break for the listener, and for us, and for, and Thragitarious. Uh, a nice rest in peace. A nice rest and break. A nice break in peace. Bip. Bip. To you, good sir. I feel like we could, uh, I feel like we could take this a little bit more seriously. Someone has died, but... Yeah. (laughs) Look, look. My, the way I grieve is to, is to make fun and, and enjoy the levity of life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, rest in peace, jerk. Huh. Rest in peace, idiot Thragitarius. Dude, that's a bit too far. You said his name. Okay. Can I say it again? Yeah rest in peace idiot yeah see that now they don't know that you're talking about they don't know who you're talking about ah okay you could be talking I, about any old idiot who died you know like you know all the all those idiots who chose to die <laughs> yeah <What? laughs> man that's it's really you know of the choices you can make right because so, like it's it, an important one If you've got two choices in front of you. Alright, I don't like this line anymore. (laughs) Neither do I. Alright, we should take a break. Take a break. was a break i feel refreshed and relaxed, yeah th- those orange slices really did the trick i drank a whole Noxema. wow that that's more than is recommended uh, is it yeah i mean don't you know you got to get back in there for that second half you're right if that second half is so much harder than the first first one you had your animal spirit second one you have to rely on your own power yeah, and they turn the gravity up by half. It's, man, talk about basketball. Basketball sure has changed. You know, the rules, they, they, they kind of tweak them every year. Mm-hmm. After Steph Curry, things get real different. Yeah, you know, once the first, you know, just genetically enhanced human being was allowed to play, they were like, alright, everyone can do it now. And, uh, the, the basketball is now a rock. And, uh, thankfully, the Heat did draft a rhino. That, that's really progressive of them. And I just, I want to see strides like this in mainstream sports more often. People get really excited, uh, when the rumors that they were drafting the rhino, the fictional character from Spider-Man, but it's actually just a rhino. Yeah. And, you know, we need more non-humanoid representation in sports. So, like, any little boy or girl can grow up thinking, I could become an animal. Well, actually, they, uh, they started that a little bit early because the Cardinals, uh, they just enlisted a small child. Now, you know, that's, that's a step that I really, really appreciate because, you know, why, why do children have to wait to, to get to their dreams? Why not, why not just do it now? Yeah, why do they have to grow up? I think that's unfair. And, you know, once, once it's, once we get to all baby teens, that's where the real potential is going to be seen, because then the kids will have time to grow. They'll learn the game, and then you just—it's—it's it's the same team for like fifteen years. See, it's—it's it's the thing that I've been saying the whole time. The whole time is I think that dog sports predict human sports, and we had the Puppy Bowl, which. <laughs> Which, of course, is the uh, the predecessor, no, the successor to the full-grown dog bowl. And I think that human beings will eventually have their own puppy bowl. Or, if you'll pardon the expression, baby bowl. I don't know if you know this, but I've been petitioning for, uh, you know, adoption agencies to put that sort of thing together for so long. I think adoption agencies really need to get with the times and they need to understand stop mollycoddling these orphans and start making them entertain us. And you know, I mean, you know what they say. An entertaining orphan is more likely to find a home. Hey, uh, you know what, uh, what entertaining orphans makes me think of? Oh, oh, are you perhaps thinking of the recently released Netflix original? I I am thinking of that Netflix. Yeah, the Netflix. The Netflix original. Uh, as, Lemony... Lemony... Okay, let's say it together. Skype. Alright. Lemony Snicket. Lemony Snicket. Lemony Snicket. I'm saying it at the same time as you, but you're not hearing it at the same time as, as okay, me. Okay, okay. One, two, three. Lemony, lemony snick- snick- is a series of, of unfortunate events. Offense. Why it's... did you slur it? What? No. I think that was perfect. <laughs> That's right. Lemony Snicket Series of events. That's what I heard. It uh, It's a show. Yeah, it's got a Neil Patrick Harris. And a Patrick Warburton. And also, two orphans. Yeah, uh, two orphans who are uh, played by people who I don't know. Uh, full disclosure, I've seen one episode of it. I have seen four. Is it good? Uh, it You know, here, let me break it down for you. Each two episodes is one book. Oh. So you'll get like part A, part B, uh, episode one, episode two is part B of episode one. Does that make... I, I, I just confused myself. Yeah, it goes A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B. <laughs> it, it goes like one A, one B... Th- you know, every yeah. two episodes is one book. No, I gotcha. And so it's like when you watch just one episode, you're watching half basically of that arc. Okay. And I so the second episode will close out the arc and then the third episode starts a new book. Because uh, I thought the entire show would just be the arc of the first book, which I have never read. Well, they're not they're not long books. They're ch- they're children's books. Oh. I can't yeah. watch the show anymore. No, what? No, it's great. Uh, there's 13 books in all, and it, it all tells the story of the Baudelaire orphans, of which there are three. Uh, the baby, of course, is CGI. CGI and, uh, baby. CGI baby. And uh, it just goes through the series. And uh, one cool thing that the Netflix show is apparently doing is uh, it's filling in a bunch of the gaps that are sort of implied in the series, in the book series. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, you know, I'll just say in the book series, you don't know that the parents are alive. You don't know that the parents are, uh, Will Arnett. Yeah. Uh, small spoiler for the first episode of, uh, unseri- uh Unseries of Fortunate <laughs> Events. So, uh, Unseries of Fortunate Events. Yep. But, uh, this first episode... I'm, I'ma be honest with you. Also, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, the director. Yeah. Didn't he also do Pushing Up Daisies? Uh, I do not know television directors. But that was a good show. I also never watched that show. Uh, did he do Gallivant? These are questions that somebody more researched than I would know. But anyway, that, uh, first episode did something that TV has not done for me in a while, which has made me laugh a lot. It's, look, the whole series is full of really great wordplay, uh, really great just like playing around of narration. You, I, I really think Patton Warburton is one of the best parts of the show. Mm-hmm. But that's because the the narrator, Lemony Snicket, was such a, apparently a good part of the books. But also Patrick Warburton is just one of the best character actors ever. He's so good. I really like him in this because he, it really seems like he's toning it down. He's toning down his, you know, a lot of his vocal tics. Mm-hmm. And he, he even, he's speaking softly. He's speaking softer than he normally does. And he's, he's, he's so good. And then there's, there is nothing that makes me laugh faster than, uh, unexpected, interesting wordplay or just sentences are the things that I find the funniest. You would really, I, I really think you would enjoy the books then, because they're just they're really chock full of them. Because there's a there's a moment in the first episode where uh, Neil Patrick Harris's Count Olaf is uh, he hears the baby Sunny speaking and says, "I don't have time to learn a second language in addition to whatever it is I'm speaking right now," and it that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, no, it's great, and uh, it's... it continues to be great. And, uh, you should watch it so that they make a second season and continue the series. Uh, that series has a lot of really, uh, positive buzz going on for it right now. Yeah, people are, people are really digging it. And, uh, I mean, even for the book readers, there's just, because they're filling in some of the gaps that you don't see in the books, there's something for them, too, to discover for the first time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um... I really want to keep watching it. Also, I hope there are more musical segments, because the musical segment in the first episode was so good. Are you talking about when Count Olaf's troupe is singing? Yeah. Okay. Did I do that anymore? No. <laughs> I-, I was thinking of how to answer that question. At least in the episodes I haven't seen, there hasn't been much more singing and i mean that's that's fine i'm just disappointed but uh yeah it's nice to see neil patrick harris doing his thing i always enjoy him pretty much no matter what he's in yeah i I was kind of worried because you know he's he's such a even when he's a negative character there's just such a positive light about him but Mm -hmm. he's just downright vile as olaf it's great he he's exploring a space he doesn't get a chance to work in very often Because even in his more, like, openly villainous roles, like, uh, what's the Doctor... Doctor Horrible? Doctor Terrible? Doctor Horrible. Yeah. Uh, even in Doctor Horrible, he is an ostensibly villainous character that is kind of in the right. Well, and of course, he's like the, he's the protagonist of that. So, you know, he, Mm -hmm. he, in the end, we, we end up empathizing with him anyway. And, uh, one thing that I really like about the show thus far, like I said, one episode in, is that it... Delivers the extremely dark, dreamlike quality really well. And I think that's something that, uh, adaptations of children's books don't generally get right is that they feel kind of like a dream. I really like the, like, the scenery looks like a Dr. Seuss book come to life. I very mm. much enjoy that because, you know, it, it makes a stark contrast of Count Olaf's house that much, like, bleaker and, and, you know, it stands out. It's great. And so much of it is, is shot in, I forget the, uh, it's shot in a spherical lens, I think, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But it's, no, it's not shot in the spherical lens, it's shot in the opposite of that, where everything looks very flat. Yeah. And everything looks like a, like a moving, surreal, dark painting. Yeah. I, I really, I really dig that. It's, it's good, and I recommend it. I re- recommend you keep watching it, at least until episode four, because that's all I've seen. How many episodes are there? There are eight in the first season, so it covers the first four books. You know, I watched a Netflix series not too long ago called The OA, which we're not going to talk about today, but uh definitely really excited for the things Netflix is doing. You know, when the Netflix announced that they were basically going to double the amount of original content they produced this year, I got kind of worried because... When there's more of something, there's more chance for, I guess, just not as good content, you know? Oh, yeah. But I think Netflix really has it right where they've set the bar, they've set a standard for quality content, and they keep meeting that bar or exceeding that each time. So it's like, I'm not going to cancel my subscription anytime t- soon because I want to reward that kind of thinking. And I mean, I have certain, uh, problems with, uh, some things that Netflix produces and I don't like all of it, but they're certainly making some of the most interesting television I've watched in years. And it, it also tends to be kind of the, some of the most, most talked about television in years, you know? No, no one's really talking about the latest season of NCIS. And and something that's interesting about the fact that, uh, Netflix has so much content out there right now is there was a time when, like, all they had was Daredevil and Orange is the New Black and, you know, a few shows. And that is all people talked about. Yeah. But now we have shows like The OA, which have a following and have, like, articles and everything written about them. But there's no deluge of information about them. There's no huge amount of, like, BuzzFeed crashing memes and garbage. Yeah, I mean... Even on the space of Netflix, there's room for, like, a small, I don't want to say cult classic, but a smaller fan-based show. And I think that's something that, uh, I mean, clearly Lemony Snicket's series, I I mean, excuse me, Lemony Snicket's on the series of fortunate events, I don't think it's going to exist in that space. But I think that there are a few shows on Netflix where people are like, okay, this isn't a huge hit, and I think that Netflix is okay with that. Yeah, I it's got its audience, you know, it's, you know, fans of the book, children, adults with their children. So it's like, it's going to do well, and it's not like, it's not as though it has to make any money. It doesn't have to sell tickets or anything like that. I wonder how it's doing with the CG baby crowd. You know, the CG baby crowd, I've actually, I've read their reviews. They, they like the technique they're using. It's bit. been, it's a, kind of a dated technique with, with the, the shading And, you know, some of the lens techniques that they're using. But they really, they really are disappointed. They thought the CGI baby was gonna kinda push the margins of what it, what it means to be a CGI baby. But it's not quite doing that. I mean, sometimes if you're a CGI baby in Hollywood, you just have to toe the line and hope for the best. Yeah, there's, there's not a lot of parts for CGI babies anymore. You know, they're not remaking The Grinch any, anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like they'll take what they can get, and hopefully CGI Baby will see a lot more of her in the uh, upcoming season. I, I'm excited to hear more from CGI Baby. I know that uh, she's had some pretty radical work in the past, but I, I think that now she's a little more down-to-earth and she's making something a little more palatable. This is definitely better than CGI Baby's uh, limited-run series on HBO, Wild and Out Baby Edition. Yeah, that was real uncomfortable. Yeah, it was. It didn't even have anything to do with the show Wild and Out, which was like a an improv disc show on MTV. And uh, there was also that weird crossover where CGI Baby was in The Wire. Oh yeah. Oh man, fans of The Wire, they they just skip that whole arc. I know it's on my Wire skip list. Yeah, you know I, there there are a few good episodes in there, so I kind of like pick and choose. I don't ban the whole arc. But, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the best. It's not the best. I mean, there are like five episodes of The Wire you need to watch, and then you basically have the whole story. That, that's, that's exactly what I've heard from everyone who's ever watched The Wire. Yeah, there's, there's nothing connecting the episodes together really whatsoever. It's really a monster of the week thing if monsters are drug dealers. Exactly. You know, this week it's cocaine, next week it's mega heroin, and, you know, you, you kind of get the gist of the show. And then in season three, they just kind of dropped the ball and started doing fictional drugs from 80s movies, like Nuke from Terminator, not Terminator, from uh, Robocop 2. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jet from Fallout was one of the episodes. Yeah, they, they jumped the, uh, you know, hallucinatory shark there. They did, which uh, is also the name of my new grunge band. Ooh, don't talk about your band until you uh, you start singing. Ah, uh, wait, I mean what band? I talked about it, now I have no desire to do it anymore. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> series of unfortunate events. Uh definitely check it out, watch it. It's it's good. It might not be great, but hey, it, n- not everything is. Uh scientific method dictates that I tell you to watch the first episode, uh episodes 2 through 8 uncertain. You know, I just I've seen four episodes and I'm extrapolating forward. I think it's going to be fine. Uh, what kind of forecast are you using? Naive forecast? Uh, I am using the type of forecast that is a four-day. Four-day forecast. <laughs> four-day forecast? You do have to watch those next four episodes within the next four days for that to still be accurate. Yeah, you know, a- anything beyond that, I can't guarantee. Wait, does that mean all of the listeners have to watch all eight of the episodes within the next four days to guarantee the forecast's quality? All I'm saying is, if you watch any of the eight episodes in the next four days, I can guarantee it's good. But if you go beyond those four days, I can't guarantee anything. Uh, that's fair, and I think that's in fact generous. Yeah, I mean, it's not two days. I mean, if it if it was a two-day forecast, I'd I'd say that, you know... Your, your pips are gonna be higher. You're gonna more, uh, d- uh, scat, sa- chat. So You're gonna get more statistics points. John, what's up? Let's talk about something real for a second. <laughs> what's up? Well, let's, let's, let's just dial it back. Let's get back to the real world and let's talk about, I don't know. I saw you at a wedding. Ah, we wedding. Yeah, we, we we went to a wedding reception, and it was, uh, it was it, it was cool. I, uh, I went away from that wedding with the same feeling I have whenever I leave. Okay, so I've been to a few weddings. It's not my first nuptial rodeo. Yeah, you know. At this point in life, you've probably been to at least one wedding, right? I've been to, I don't mean to shock you with this, like yeah. five weddings. Five weddings? That's more than four. It's significantly more than four. Almost six. But, so I've been to these weddings, and every time I go to, like, a big church wedding with a million people there... Yeah? I leave, I'm I'm not happy, I feel like I just went to church, and I just, in general, feel like everyone there was just kind of pressured to make it a good time. Yeah? And every time I go to a wedding, like the one I saw you at, that is, uh, this one took place in a bar... Uh, it that's did. just, it's just very, uh, kind of low key informal party for people who are there to celebrate you and the thing that you're doing. I always feel great. All right. I mean, I, I've exp I've been to like 20 weddings or so. And, uh, you know, I've been to a mix of both, you know, very traditional, very formal, and also the kind of low key thing. And, uh, I say you really need a nice balance between the two, really, you know? Too far in either direction, and it's just, it's not a fun time, really. I mean, I, th- of course you need some amount of circumstance. You know, you, you don't want people to be like, oh, the wedding happened already. I didn't know because everyone was just having fun and, and drinking schnapps. Yeah. I and mean, you run the risk, like, if things aren't organized, you run the risk of people missing out on stuff or just it not having kind of the gravitas that it should have. Mm hmm. Because I feel like a wedding, no matter what your belief is, Getting married should be monumentous, you know. Yeah, it should be a a huge event because even if uh, you believe that marriage is just an institution, it it deserves to be like a huge event where you're making a massive life change and you want to you want to celebrate it. You're not necessarily saying my life has changed and I'm celebrating the death of my old life. You're saying this day is about. Me, and the person that I love, and all the things that we love, and we want to celebrate all those things in one day, because we only have one day to do it. And also, you have one day to do it because you want to celebrate with all your friends and family, and you can only get them together for, like, one day before, you know, Aunt Gertrude starts throwing pies at brother-in-law Steve. Damn it, brother-in-law Steve. Well, I mean, Aunt Gertrude threw the first pie. Yeah, but Steve brought his snake. Ah oh, well, but he, it's he uses it as a talking point, and I get I get that it's his comfort snake. I get that, but come on. But yeah, I, I I've you know in my twenty wedding experience, I really lean toward the kind of like, not short ceremony, but kind of you know you know get the ceremony done with. Don't don't drag that out, and then have a long reception. Oh yeah. Because the long reception is like, that's where, because no one can talk during the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And, and if you have too much of, of other things in the ceremony, then it's more about those other things than it is about the reason why we're, you know, we're gathered here today, you know? And I could sometimes see the like the wedding ceremony as being something that could happen apart from most of the people at the reception. Yeah, like you, you could you could have a ceremony with you know close friends and relatives, and then you could have a reception with hundred and fifty people at it. That could be a thing that could happen, but it is kind of kind of alienating to all those other people who weren't at the ceremony because that you know they didn't get to share in the exact moment. You know, yeah, but I guess a lot of that goes back to the the crux question of weddings: is is it about you or is it about other people? You know. It's supposed to be about the couple, right? Supposed to be. So it's like whatever the couple wants. If the couple wants people there, then that's what the couple gets. Mm -hmm. If the couple doesn't want anybody there, then that's what the couple gets. So it's it's really down to the couple, right? I feel like in a perfect world that is true because I think that... I think that people get it twisted. They think that the couple has less power than it does. I think the couple has the most power in that situation because they're like, We have the ultimate card, which is we could just elope. Yeah? I we mean, could it- we could spend no money, give you guys no party, and just make the thing that we wanna happen happen. But if you're gonna be down to party and celebrate in this with us, we're gonna do whatever we want, and it'll be huge and fun and great and we'll celebrate everything we like in a perfect world that's true in the world we live in we've got of course family pressure society pressure all these mm. things that are that can be really hard to shake off and uh so it, it's like in a perfect world the couple, couple should and probably does get the last say in it but they are probably influenced by outside forces like the family oh yeah family pressures are uh, are no joke especially around weddings Oh, man, yeah, the, like, the list of traditions and, and, like, all the conventions that you have to do, all the considerations you have to make, all the feelings you have to protect. It, it really seems like all of that should be given to, like, a family member, and the couple should be free to just enjoy the day, you know? Or maybe that should be, like, the, the job of the couples moving forward, like, in the world we live in, that... uh you know, if you have like a person or a person getting married, you should be like, I am going to protect this other person from as much of this stuff as I can. I'm going to trust that they'll do the same for me. You know, hope, you know, that's, that's the, the thinking behind like pay it forward. So if we could have like pay it forward weddings. Pay it forward wedding edition, yeah. Where it's like, you know, it's kind of what the bridesmaid does a lot of the times. No, the maid of honor. Mm hmm. She's the one who, who's like, I, I'm just gonna protect the bride from everything that's going on so she can just really focus on what's important and that that's, she's getting married. And I let, mean, let the brides go. do not have it easy, do not have it easy whatsoever. No, 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 they don't. Huge amounts of societal pressure for them to like plan and, and do everything. And, and grooms have it relatively easy. Yeah, I mean, grooms just have to face, they just, they have to stand up there the entire time. They don't get a fancy entrance. <laughs> that is true. Give a give the groom an entrance. Okay, I'm calling it right now. If I have a wedding, uh both bride and groom will have WWE style entrance music. Oh, that that would be great, you know. And uh really complete the motif. You you get a champion belt, you know. Yeah, it's uh it's actually the you both wear it. Yeah, instead of wedding rings, just wedding champion belts. Oh man, there could be a thing where like halfway through there tries to be a twist and like someone tries to tries to rush the wedding and and take the belt and you both have to like DDT them off of the off of the church. Yeah, the the uh the the best man turns heel at an unsuspected yeah. moment. He just like reaches under the cake and pulls the cake wouldn't be there at the ceremony. He just reaches out under the minister and pulls out a a folding chair and hits you in the back. Yep. That'd be pretty great. And then, uh, I mean, it's got a, the bride has to give him the people's elbow, you know? Yeah. And I mean, she has the crowd will know it's coming. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll they'll chant it. They'll set her up. The bride will like be standing on the pulpit. Is that what they call it? Yes. They call In some instances, it's called a pulpit. She'll like stand on the pulpit, and like point out to everybody and they'll chant. Then she'll like tap her elbow and they'll go crazy. It'll be a it'll be a whole thing. And you know, that, that's really what we're missing from ceremonies. You know, we've, we've got... We've got... Wait, what is it? Hold on. We've got all the circumstance, but we need the pomp. Yeah, more pomp. Pomp it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, full full pomp. You know, I, I used to have this uh, this belief that were I to get married, I would hire a bunch of actors that halfway through the ceremony... Would, like, start at, like, a murder mystery or a scavenger hunt or something. (laughs) You would have, like, a mystery dinner theater, but it's like a mystery wedding theater. You know, like, someone who's in the audience would stand up and go, My God, he's dead! (laughs) One of you in this room is a murderer. Oh, man. Okay, so here's how it would work. Someone would stand up and go, My God, he's dead! And... People would be like, who who could have possibly done it? And then uh, the best man would be like, I did it for this reason and this reason, all of this. And then I would just like reach into my tuxedo and pull out a, a pistol with blanks and he would have a squib and, and he'd die and that would be the whole thing. Nice, uh, short, sweet, to the point, full of action, some intrigue. I, I definitely think it would have a run at the Golden Globes. It would be unforgettable and progressive. And it would take all the edge off, you know, Uh, no more nerves because, hey, you know, we just watched a man die. Yeah, nothing takes the edge off of a wedding, like watching life leave someone's body. That's why at the, you know, it's not a real wedding, a a real Dothraki wedding until three people have, have died. Yeah, you watch the life leave someone's body and then you watch the wife leave with somebody. Boom, boom, boom. Hashtag catchy sayings of John 2017. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hashtag. Hashtag wedding. Is that a, is that a hashtag? It will be now. Well, uh, I think uh, maybe now that we've given our listeners some amazing wedding tips. Yeah, you know, let's, let's recap. We, we've given them amazing wedding tips. We've given them some life lessons about, you know, doing and not saying. Mm-hmm. We've given them a rundown of, of Star Wars The Old Republic and a little brief kinda preview review, uh, of, 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 and series of fortunate events. And I mean, since it's, uh, since it's the first one of these Skype episodes, we probably need to end on something that's really poignant and kinda ties it all together. Uh, yeah, you're right, you know, a, a message that they can take home and stuff in their, their fortune cookies for when they're hungry. And, uh, I'd like us both to take a run at this, so I'll go first. Alright. Do or do not. There is no talking about it, because then that's the first two things. One might say that the series of the most fortunate event is your wedding, so pomp it up. I feel like that could have been better. And I'll just add, it's not whether or not you tore try but it's whether or not you tore tanic I I think that's I think that's fine. I think that works. All right, good, good. I hope they know what I mean. And you have two options in life: either you play the whole thing solo, or it's player versus player. Nope, that's too bleak. Yeah, it's too bleak. You know, it's just it's really yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, don't f- go the whole thing Han solo. Uh, no
1: no john
0: you ever notice in the original three star wars movies they can't make up their mind whether they're gonna say han or han yeah yeah i I do notice that and they also call it a religion on the first movie (laughs) but then they never call it a religion again uh you know they call it an ancient religion you know that ancient religion that's 20 years old yep 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 i i know these things uh well, we'll save that for our original Star Wars trilogy Zero credits episode in the future sometime I guess uh I think it's in fact a long time ago. Oh, come on, I meant in a in a podcast <laughs> what are you saying far, far away Stop it oh, so that's gonna that's gonna do it. let's do the let's do the social media all right, so if you wanna get in touch with us on the cyber. Uh, log into your geo net and reach us at, uh, zcpcwhj on twitter.com. That's the neatest new cyber deck for you to post 140 characters to the web. And then if you want to send us an email and hacker mainframe neuromancer, you can give us a send at zero credits as a podcast at gmail.com and also we're on Facebook. I, I've I've missed you doing that so much. I'm actually, Facebook is a dystopian book of faces. I'm like actually tearing up a bit because I I had to do it and it was bad and I choked a bit. Uh, no joke. When I had to introduce a podcast all by myself, it took me like eight tries. Right, right. We, we complete each other, John. You you think it would be easy, but. It's, I, it's hard. I, I took a class. I got certified, you know? I got certified in social media. Oh, good. That's great. So, uh, this is John, your zero credit social media coordinator, signing out. And this is Henry, your social media introducer, r- 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 signing out. <laughs> Bye. Biggest Bye. <laughs> Bye. Pump it up. I say the last thing. <laughs>